Hello and welcome to Can You Hear Me at the Back, the podcast about all things voice and communication. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Leon. <laughs> Surprised you there. I, I was I was paying attention. I was. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so in a surprised sound and movement, <laughs> how are you feeling today? Oh. Oh. Stress and tiredness. It's like combined in one. <laughs> combined in one. It's a nice little, nice little ball, a yawn of tiredness and stress. <laughs> a ball of tiredness and stress. Yes, yeah. It seemed, it seemed appropriate. Yawn. Enjoy the podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to joy and stress and small packages. Um, Rude. Leon. Yeah. In a sound and a movement, how do you feel? <sighs> I feel like this has to do with food. Yeah, I had I had quite a lot of kimchi just now. <laughs> uh, oh, I need to ask you this. So yeah. somebody pointed out that I often say kimchi rather yeah, than yeah. kimchi. So yeah. you have lived in the career. And <laughs> can you tell me whether it is Iambic or trachaic? Thanks. I would say kimchi. Because kimchi. in Korean, there is, there is, um, it is, it, uh, every, every syllable gets stressed. Ah. Yeah. You also only get, I think it's either three, you get syllables in terms of threes or, or wait, sorry. It's either twos or ones. That, um, that's why if you get something like, um, a, no, sorry, it's threes. Ah. So if you get something like AC, it becomes ACA, right? Because you need the third, you need the third. Oh, so there's a little schwa at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's why you get some computer becomes computer uh, sometimes. There's like, there's all, there's a whole bunch of them. Ah. Yeah. That's why oftentimes you get the no uh, stop uh, also happens a lot. In, in, <laughs> it's not something that I just do, but you know. So it should be um, spondaic, if we're thinking about it in terms of uh, stress patterns. It should be kimchi. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Da, da. Not pyrrhic. Kimchi. Yeah. It's kimchi. Kimchi, yeah. Also really important. (laughs) (laughs) And what's not to like about things that are delicious? Sure. Nothing. Mm. 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 So, today, what are we talking about? You look jubilant <laughs> about our conversation. Um, so, we are talking about um, the question that I sometimes get. Should mm. actors do accents? Should actors do accents? Yes. Or do actors have to do accents? Mm. Like, is it part of a great, like, set of mm, tools? <laughs> that it's like, yes, an actor must be, you know, uh, be able to project or make their voice louder or heard in the space. An actor must be able to emote in different things. An actor must be able to get into different characters. Must an actor also be, have to do accents? That was a very strange way to phrase that. I just thought about that. but <laughs> No, I like it. I like it. I think it's, um, yeah, powerful, emotional, mm. connected. 
Um, but like, uh, I, I often have this thought about actors being versatile. And when I was a child, mm-hmm. I would watch movies with people in the movies, actors in the movies, who mm-hmm. were great dancers, great singers, great actors, great movers, great storytellers, great users of language. Um, they did all sorts of extraordinary things and did all of it to an extraordinary standard. Mm-hmm. And then I always aspired as an actor and still do aspired to be able to do as much as possible, be as versatile and um, available to opportunity as possible. And it, the industry has moved very much in the direction in recent years of it being um, about not necessarily people being actors and being celebrated for their ability to portray a character, but instead having people who are similar or the same as um, the character type that is being portrayed and then just using them to do the job that otherwise... and an actor would ordinary or otherwise have done. Yeah. Which throws up questions, not just for accent, but also for gender, for um, ethnicity, for sexual orientation, um, and all that sort of stuff. There was a big thing in the gay press in the last few weeks about should it, Darren Chris, who mm. said that he's no longer going to play gay characters. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, Okay, but like, should gay actors play gay characters, or gay actors not play gay characters, or straight actors? Blah, 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 blah. So there's it's, this whole thing, and it's not that far it's, away. It's that big. It's that big. The, the, what was the thing with Brian Cranston that was in? Um, he played um, an actor. He played a guy who was um, immobile. So in in a in a movie where he was in a wheelchair for like. Um, the entire movie and there was a big debate that came up that was like well there are disabled actors who could play that part and Brian Cranston was like but I am an actor and part of my job is to be able to play parts that are very very far away from me rather than give it to someone whose experience is closer to that um because I guess the question was where's the challenge in that but um and I feel similarly about accents um, when people ask me, like, oh, should I, should I be able to do a whole bunch of accent? I, I mean, my, my thing is, like, get the basics. <laughs> be able to do a general something and a general something, whatever that means. Um, and then you can start to add on as you, as, you, as you learn more about accents and as you get better at it, you can add more on. But I get, I get lots of students, particularly younger students, who have just have a list of accents that they're like, I need this one, 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 and I need it like next week. <laughs> I'm just like, that is not, um, that I don't think is feasible. But over a period of time. That is one of those things, I think. And I, I find it quite interesting that when you look at the actors who are from Europe who work in America, mm-hmm. They almost invariably use an American accent. Yeah. So the very dreamy and wonderfully talented 
um, Alexander Skarsgård, um, well, absolutely use an American accent. This is a man who speaks like seven languages or something ridiculous, right? Um, but he he uses an American accent of some description in order to portray the characters that he plays. Um, and the same thing with everybody in the Marvel universe. Um, yeah. They all have an American accent, except if they're a baddie, because then they speak with an RP accent. Wait, what, what about, wait, no, the, 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 the IT dude who came to life, whose name I can't remember at the moment. Um, Paul Bettany is the actor. Yes. Yeah. He's not evil. No, he's really good, actually. He is. There's and no spoilers in that, guys. And British accents in American minds equal intelligence or just supreme evilness. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know. It's really strange. And then, so there's always these actors that go to the States and they're expected to have an American accent. What's right. hilarious, the Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. Auditioning. I've, I must have told this story already on the podcast, but Hugh Laurie has told the story on a number of occasions. This anecdote about auditioning for um, House. Yeah. And the producers were looking high and low and looking for this sort of great American actor. And where are where are all these great American actors? And in comes Hugh Laurie, and he's like, "Oh, hi. How are you? Nice to meet you." And the sort of nice, uh, you know. Baritone voice, and he's also, and the director and the producer after well, the producer turned to the director after Hugh Laurie had left the room and said, "Now there is a great American actor," yeah. and and then he was told when he was on set that he was like, "Oh, I mean, you know, I'm just gonna not not playing the character now, so I'll just be me, Hugh Laurie, haha." And then they were kind of going, "But how have you lost your English accent, or how have you lost your American accent now?" And he was going. No, no. My accent is this. This is how I speak. <laughs> I'm an actor. Um, and had to really sort of spell it out for people. Yeah. That he was acquiring an accent for the role and it wasn't how he normally speaks. But the hilarity that the producers, whoever they were at the time, had said, now that's a great American actor when he is quite literally not. Um, <laughs> he's a great actor. And not American, <laughs> but like it's kind of it's really strange. It's really strange how there are there is really really is a double standard with that. Mm. And I I didn't know he was I didn't know he was British for a long time. I really didn't until later in my life, and then I was really embarrassed. But it was the same thing with Idris Elba. I didn't know that Idris Elba was also from. Is he from Hackney? He's from Hackney. Yeah, didn't know that. Um, and I like, so caught up with all the new Luthers this week. <gasps> Have you seen Luther on Drifford? Tell me nothing. Get, you need to get on iPlayer and watch all of Luther, like I've been doing with Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. It's an international trade-off. I know. I remember, because I remember I, when I first saw Luther, like the first, first time, I was like, wow, Idris Elba is a really good accent. I was like, oh, that's crazy. It was like, it was like, Americans normally never do British accents well. Like, it's really the hardest thing to get them to be authentically, like, you know. And it was like, and he's got all the things. And then I looked it up, I was like, well, gosh darn tootin'. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been swindled again. <laughs> By Idris. By those pesky actors <laughs> and their yeah. accent ways. Thank you, like, oh, I remember when, um, 
Andrew Garfield was in um the Spider the was it the Amazing Spider Man? They went through lots of different names. <sighs> I had remake no of the idea. first movie that everybody remakes every time. Exactly. Why are you making uh, the same movie? Anyway. Oh yeah, but so, I didn't know he was. I didn't know that he was English as well until <laughs> years later when I saw an interview of him doing something something, and I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. I had literally the opposite situation with him. I knew him because I was a first year when he was a third year at drama school. Mm. And he used to live with my one of my best friends. So um, then I was like, oh, he's doing a good American. Well done. People will believe that. Like it was. <laughs> Literally the opposite like, of that. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For a boy from Surrey. Although he's not actually. He's a, he is actually born in America. but um, He was, yeah. He uh, was like, raised in, in the UK. But it's, yeah, there are really, there are some really good accents out there. And I think it is, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, well, what, especially in the UK. I mean, not especially in the UK, but we're a smaller, more concentrated um melting pot of accents in this country mm -hmm. because everything's much closer um mm -hmm. you know you can you can travel across a state and still go you know four or five times the length and breadth of the uk um in the states so it's not like you know how many times does the uk fit into texas in like six times or something? it's like six yeah yeah so it's like but we've got such a high concentration of accents in this country mm -hmm. that um that if you can't do another regional accent and you can only do your own, it's it's called kind of prohibitive. It stops you from being able to play those other characters. And that's not to say that you have to be able to do, you know, I don't know, do a Hull accent to do anything that was ever written by any of the company that's worked with Hull Truck or that you have to, you know, do pinter in rp or shakespeare in a sort of birmingham accent although it sounds awesome but it's yeah. you don't have to you don't have to do um to speak dylan thomas poetry in a welsh accent although it helps because the rhythm of it really lends itself you don't have to do Akeborn in a, in a scarborough accent although again it helps um <laughs> so there's all these sorts of um things that 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 we do in this country that from playwrights that doesn't that don't necessarily work mm. if you don't add an extra layer especially in this country because accent is so relative to class yeah. um or at least the perception of class and the perception of educational standing that yeah. If you can't, if you can only do your own accent, then you are absolutely pigeonholed into one set of casting possibilities. Yeah, and I think in the U.S., I think it's not necessarily class related. I think accent is related to class, but I think I associate it more with like race and ethnicity mm. than like class, and then geographics. So you know, northeast versus south versus midwestern versus like west right but that's not necessarily class it's more geographically related so i think when people go to drama school in the u.s it's more about getting them to the common denominator and then being like oh what happens if you get if you if you go southern um because the character needs to be from you know 
somewhere deep south because that's integral to their identity in some way shape or form or the character and who they are that's i think that's what my thing with accents are i i'm not really a fan of learning an accent for the sake of an accent although like hey they're fun so like why not but um but i'm more about what do you what do the sounds of the accents help you with in terms of finding a character or in terms of finding finding a particular movement or finding a particular you know what i mean like it's so it can be so much more than just like i'm gonna do an accent so as long as it's helping with the story then i'm all for it yeah, and the story doesn't necessarily have to be dictated by the writer, but can also be dictated somewhat in negotiation with the actor and the director and stuff. And it and it can be backstory that's not implicit. Well, it is implicit, but it's not explicit in the narrative. But it can be about well, this actor, this sorry, this character is that she's Brooklyn as an example, just because sure we always do. Um, <laughs> Brooklyn and London, that's our kind of go-tos. But if they're from Brooklyn, then you can tell the difference if they are Italian or if they are um, African-American or if they are Jewish or if they are Irish. Mm. So you've got all three of those, plus, plus probably also Greek on some level as well and any of the other sort of um, European immigrant communities that might live in and around, not necessarily in Brooklyn, but in the in sort of greater New York area. But the, you're going to have those, you'll be able to tell, you specifically will be able to tell much more specifically than I will yeah. necessarily, although I can hear it, but it's not my hometown. So I don't necessarily know it in the mm. same way, but it's, but it gives you more information about what that, the, what the prospective culture that they come from is rather than it just being like, oh yeah, they're from Brooklyn. So, yeah. Or New York, Germany. So, mm. Yeah. And the language that people use. I feel like there's a difference between the language that people use and not. And sometimes there can be a real incongruence um, between the language that somebody uses and the accent with which they use those words and the accents with, with which they speak. Because sometimes you think, so, like, Russell Brand is a real example of that. Do you okay, know Russell yeah. Brand? Yeah. So, Russell Brand, British comedian and actor, sort of. Um, and he... He extre is extremely clever, extremely well-read, but he is brought up in Brentwood, which is in Essex, which is not just... It's sort of northeast of London. Um... It's one of the big towns that you get to just like before you get out into the countryside, basically. And um, and it's a big town. Like, it's, you know, lots of people live and work there and it's fine. And, um, and so he speaks in a certain way that historically has indicated a lack of education or um, not necessarily a lack of education per se, but more so to do with a lack of um, social standing. Um, and I feel like often we think about that in a sort of Victorian sense or a sort of slightly post-Victorian sense of it being like, oh, well, you're not landed gentry and aristocracy and you're not the sort of fussy middle class, but you are sort of something under that. So you're a, an everyday bloke in the street, a guy in the street. 
and he sort of is but then when you listen to how he speaks and the things that he's gone through and the things that he's read and his experiences you understand that actually this is a man of great intelligence but he doesn't necessarily sound like he fits the stereotype of an educated man mm. in accent terms mm. so i think he's been quite instrumental in changing things mm. not necessarily on a on a conscious level but maybe on a subconscious level in the mind of the listener yeah i think what's really interesting is that we do have expectation for the way that certain accents um sound but also for the people who represent them um and the amount of time that i've been i had to learn this <laughs> this is which is definitely like a cultural thing that i was not very aware of the amount of um quote-unquote farmer accents that have been done in my class was just like astonishing and all the things that come in with that um and other categories of of dividing classes but, but because it's not just like okay these people talk this certain way it's these people talk this certain way and this is what that means and all of that comes in with an accent um well sometimes are positive and then sometimes are not as positive <laughs> as <I laughs> um quite brutally um and it's really I, I find it interesting as an american coming in and kind of deconstructing because i mean the first year we, we i we kind of deconstruct your own accent in order to figure out what accent we can do and what you're closer to and what, all this other stuff um and it's really interesting to look in and see how much weight an accent holds in lots of people's identity um which is why i think it's a really good tool for actors in terms of um, character work and, and and discovering things and building a character because I think within an accent holds so much of a person's identity but also the way that other people see them as well and that also contributes to their identity and what they want to show people and what they don't want to show people um so yeah I mean I think it's all really fascinating but I I definitely think and and but see but the question is then should actors do accents and I think they should do accents if it's called for. But then I've also been in rooms where somebody just goes, well, I just want them to be Scottish. Why? Don't know. Just, just really, just really feel like that's what, you know, that's what it should be. And then you're just like, well, man, there's no motivation for that. That's just somebody really wanting to show off their Scottish accent. And I don't know if that's necessary. It's a little bit like sometimes people painting by numbers but in a sense that people want to do something different and mm. there's a sort of there's a, a list of things that you could change and yeah. sometimes when it comes from a director they they kind of they don't want to change the intention behind the moment behind the scene the mm. subtext of it they can't because that's what's written mm -hmm. they don't want to give somebody a limp because that seems kind of <laughs> extreme and extraordinary and it's like oh this person's got one eye like what how why why are you doing that why are you disabling this character for no reason or you know giving them some kind of affliction that they don't that's not in the script it doesn't make any sense so sometimes it's like well can you i need i need there to be something different about them that indicates that they are not from here or they are not part of or they are extra or surplus to. Mm. And so accents sometimes 
makes them defined as different, defined as other. And so therefore it becomes a kind of um, byword for um, like a primary colour of difference. So everyone else is blue and this person is red. And you kind of go, oh, okay. But it's done with such um, sort of opaqueness. I'm using lots of visual ideas here. But um, <laughs> visual metaphors. Um, it's done with such opaqueness that it's just like, what they've done is just slapped on a load of colour. And you're like, whoa, hold on. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense anymore. It's just now all just a different colour or whatever. For no particular reason. Mm. And sometimes that can be an overall aesthetic and you can just accept it from the beginning. You're like, okay, fine. Um, Hamlet is set in Denmark, but we're all doing it in a Liverpudlian accent. All right. So the castle is now in Liverpool, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, is it? Pfft, sure, whatever. But it's like, you, but you can sort of get on board with that in the beginning. But if somebody just turns up with some random accent because they're a messenger and it's like, you know, my lord. <laughs> I come with a message, my lord. And it's like, okay, so why is there some random Welsh guy? And then there's, you know, the next time it's like, you know, <laughs> I bring news from over there. You're like, what? Who are you? And why have you just turned up? It just doesn't make any sense to just arbitrarily do that. And then sometimes yeah. it's not done with enough nuance and and um, and care, yeah. and and the considerations that it does. It is an extraordinarily um, potent marker of somebody's cultural and socio-political standpoint and upbringing, etc. That it's kind of a bit like, you know, making somebody that. blind when they're not, or yeah. just putting a hat on someone for no reason. It's just like what it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, I get a lot of um, really. I've, I've got a lot of, of first years who came in and and. Um, and you're like, well, you know, I wouldn't be an actor, but I basically just want to do a whole bunch of accents. And I was like, so is that why you wanted to become an actor? I was like, because you could just start a YouTube channel with you doing a whole bunch of accents, a lot, lot less money <laughs> um, yeah. than going through acting school and doing that. Mm. There is that kind of, there is this kind of expectation that like, I'm going to be an actor, I'm going to have to do a lot of accents, and I'm going to have to do them well. Um, and there's a sad reality that some people can do accents really, really well. And others are not as great at getting them. <laughs> yeah. um, that's just what, I mean, sometimes you're good at some things, you're not great at other things. Um, is it the end? I don't think it's the, the end all of end all that you can do. I mean, there's some great actors who don't do accents. Just... Yeah. Michael Caine. Never done an accent in his life. I mean, he will tell you he's doing an American accent. <laughs> no. Darling, no, it's, pretty. it's just a different set. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> different location. <laughs> well, McGellin, who also he said he doesn't do accents. Who? Um, Ian, is it, was it Ian McGellin? When he was... Uh, he, he based, but he, based, he was in an interview and he was basically just like, well, I don't do them because I can't. <laughs> Yeah, he's not, he doesn't really do accents. He does his own, he does his sort of own accent. Mm. Mm. So he has an interesting accent because he was born and raised in, or just near Manchester. Which you would never know. Which you would never really know, except when you really listen and you're like, oh yeah. Um, but then he then went to Oxford. 
Mm. Um, around about the same sort of time as Maggie Smith. Mm. The two of them were at Oxford at a similar time, and and um, and so he changed the way that he spoke because he went to Oxford, which mm. is not unusual. And as we know, RP um, sometimes is also often referred to as Oxford English. Mm-hmm. So that sort of Oxford English sound mixed with his um, Manchester sound is basically what you get with Ian McKellen. Mm. And for him also, it is about his quality of speech. So the quality mm. of voice, but also the quality of the language that he uses. And he's an extremely yeah. bright man. So yeah, yeah. all of these things combined, you get this kind of sense of gravitas and authenticity and authority and intellect that you don't necessarily get with everybody else. Mm. Similarly to Maggie Smith, she doesn't really do accents. Yeah. But... She did one in the Yaya Kind of a cape, yeah, sparingly. <laughs> Harry Potter, she does a Scottish. She does a kind of Edinburgh kind of accent. Yeah. And then... Soft Edinburgh. And then in Grand Exotic, Exotic Marigold, Marigold Hotel, can't say the name of the movie, it's a great film. She does great. a sort of East End London sound. Yeah. And her parents were Scottish, mm. as far as I'm aware, and she was born in the East End of London, not mm. far from where I live, in fact. Um, oh. Yeah, she's local. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think if you're a good actor, you're a good actor. Yeah. And often, as we know, and we know we know several of them, if you if you need somebody to really coach you on a specific accent, yeah. there will be somebody called in to help you. Mm. Um, it could be me. <laughs> it could be you. Or me. Or any number of other people. Um, <laughs> sadly, it's uh, quite a niche industry. And if you want to listen to somebody doing some extraordinary accents um, and having been coached by somebody who is also extraordinary and coaches in several different languages, mm. watch Killing Eve. Oh, yeah. And watch Jodie Comer absolutely knock it out of the park with yeah. scores of accents and languages. Russian, Italian, um, RP. Yeah. Uh, she do an American. I feel like she was American. Yeah, I think so. When she yeah. just drops, and she speaks French in it. Yeah, she just is French, yeah. And, and like, when she just drops into RP having done all of these other accents, mm. my jaw just was like, <laughs> like I just was sitting there with my mouth open because I was thinking, where on earth is she? Because I hadn't really, I hadn't seen some of the stuff that she'd been in before. So when I saw her in Killing Eve, I was absolutely astonished by the work that she'd done. And it is absolutely brilliant it's brilliant and i can't wait for the new season which comes out later this year <gasps> they finished filming it's in post-production i don't stalk people who are in this show why do you, why do you know that <laughs> why do you know that <laughs> whatever sean delaney put it on his on his on his instagram it's fine uh, yeah no just cares super cares he's currently in uh in new york doing i don't know why i'm talking about sean delaney but he's currently in New York doing the Broadway transfer of The Ferryman. Um, yeah. Which uh, a friend of mine, Terry, is also in. 
Anywho, Andre, what did you realise now that I've stopped talking about Sean Delaney? That now I can't stop thinking about Sean Delaney. <laughs> he is lovely. <laughs> um, um, and oh gosh, I've thought about so many things. Um, I my my question has always been: Should actors do actions? And I don't know if they should, but I think they if they can, that they I think if they can, they should. That's I think. <laughs> So are you saying do accents but only if you're not terrible? terrible. <laughs> and if you are terrible, maybe you should get an accent code. And maybe you should get one before like three days before you start shooting. <laughs> oh my God, can we put that in there as a massive just caveat to all accent work? All it accent work. Not enough time. And I would even say a week is not enough time. You no. need significant you need months <laughs> to do an accent. A month is the shortest amount of time you can really do it. Like, I let's be really honest about it. If you're going to play a character, you need to have been using that accent for a month. You can't just do it two days before, unless it is something that you are so familiar with that you can just drop into. Yeah. I can just about drop into a German-American accent at the drop of a hat if I need to. And I can yeah. drop into RP at the drop of a hat if I need to. Those are pretty much the two that I could just do off the bat. There are 25, 30 that I could do given a couple of weeks practice. Yeah. But if it's a new one, it's going to take me a month. Oh, yeah. It takes me a month every time I have to go and teach another <laughs> a new one that I've done for. I'm like, right, okay. So I'm just going to sit here and listen to all of the, the Welsh always gets me. So it's like, mm, going to have to listen to that at least. 97,000 times. But yes, no, you need significant amounts of time. I just you can't employ that enough. It's not something that people get overnight. Leon. Yeah. What have you realized in this episode? I've realized that I absolutely categorically think that accents are important, that, act, that actors should do accents. Mm -hmm. um, and that if you, that if actors, if an actor could do an accent, then that doesn't mean that they should. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that just because you can, you should, but that if it is required by the character, by the plot, by the, and there's some kind of justification for it, by all means, go for gold, enjoy yourself. But <laughs> it shouldn't just be one of those things that, that you sort of slap on at the last minute mm. and think, oh yeah, I'll just do that, I'll be fine. Because it doesn't work like that. It doesn't, it's, um, there's a whole um, like neuro-linguistic thing that has to go on with muscles and how do you say a word and stress patterns and prosody and it's, it's there's so much to it that is that is not just you know it is a layer but it's not an external layer it's a really kind of embedded layer it's um it, and it's so you can't just you can't just yeah just chuck it on at the last minute it needs some yeah needs some thought needs some some guidance, some gentle coaxing. And at the very least, you need enough time to, to do it wrong <laughs> before you do yeah. it right. That I mean, th I don't think there's anything that you learn where you do you start doing it right right away. You got to do it wrong a couple of times before you do it right. 
Yeah, no, there's nothing. I can't think of anything. I was gonna be like eating, but I was like, even when I was learning to eat. What? <laughs> I, mean, I still can't eat. No, you got that one over your face, aren't you, Fudge? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing. Like breathing. You didn't learn to breathe, but yeah. No, but even then, when you first breathe and you cry, it's because it's not like, oh no, am I doing it right? And then, oh, well, yeah, I, I think, am. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that babies have anxiety about whether they're breathing right or not, but they probably. They do. But they're, I think they're just cold, generally. I think they're like, oh, why is it so cold? But when you when you go underwater, right? Don't you have to learn like how? Because that's a, a really big thing for a lot of for a lot of um, I don't know. My sister teaches swimming, so like for younger for for little ones. <laughs> Um, the one of the big things is like, oh no, I can't breathe the same way I breathe above. So I need to figure out how long I can hold my breath for. Can I open my mouth? Will that be okay? Oh, this water just came in. So maybe it is. Maybe you do. I, mean, I think breathing underwater becomes a thing. Like once you start breathing, there ain't no turning back. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> you can't turn it off. And then when you go underwater, it's like, oh, I can't breathe anymore. And that gives lots of people a panic attack, you know? It does, yeah. My mum can't do it. She like puts her face in the water and then she's like, oh, okay, I'm done. Oh, can't do it anymore. You're like, yeah. all right, chill out. It's only water. Um, so I think, you know, there's differences of... Um, different degrees. Different degrees of that. But I think there's, yeah, no, you're right. There is nothing that you do that you don't, that you just get immediately. You have to, you have to work towards it in some way. Yeah. To so work towards your accent. <laughs> oh. Should actors work towards their accents? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. If you want to contact us about anything we said in the podcast, you can reach us on Twitter at Can You Hear Pod or on Instagram at Can You Hear Me Podcast. Or you can search for us on Facebook and on YouTube. Or email us at Can You Hear Me at the back at gmail.com. You can find me, Leon, on Twitter, at Leon Trayman. Or me, Andrea, at Andrea Fudge on Twitter. Please support the podcast by subscribing as a patron on our Patreon site. The link is in the show notes. To keep the podcast advertisement-free, as well as get access to cool extra stuff, discounts, bonus episodes, as well as supporting ongoing voice research funding as well. Okay, love you, bye!